0: Following the manufacturer's instructions will keep your car in top condition, even more so when it's something truly valuable like your life. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah explains how the Bible is like manufacturer's instructions for the human race. Follow it and you'll bear fruit for a lifetime. Here's David to introduce the conclusion of the power of God's word in your life.
1: And thank you so much for joining us today. This is part two of the first in a series of messages we have called The Word. Signature messages on the importance of the Bible in your life throughout the entire month of June. We're going to have a great month together. And uh, to celebrate uh, this time in Turning Point's history, we have a wonderful resource called Living the 66 Books of the Bible. The resource is yours for a gift of any size during the month of June. Ask for it, and when you get it, you're going to want to put it on your coffee table where others can see it and um, be intrigued by it. It's a beautiful gift book that will give you the perspective of practical application for every one of the 66 books in the Bible. This is truly a unique resource, only available from Turning Point, only available uh, through this particular process right now. Ask for it when you send your gift. We'll make sure you get a copy of this brand new resource. I want to thank you for supporting us because this is a month when we reflect. It's the end of our fiscal year. We look back and we realize how God has been so good to us here at Turning Point. Thank you for your part in it and for continuing to support what we do as we share the Word of God around the world. Now, we started yesterday talking about Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 and how powerful God's Word can be in your life. We pick up where we left off today as we move into part two of the power of God's Word in your life. The Bible is for the purpose of exhorting one another. It's profitable for that purpose it's profitable for telling people what they should be doing that they're not doing i read an account of the nineteen eighty six chernobyl nuclear disaster that illustrates the importance of this kind of interaction here's the report there were two electrical engineers in the control room that night and the best thing they could be said for them was that they were doing something they shouldn't have been doing they were playing around with the machine can you believe it They were performing what the Soviets later described as an unauthorized experiment. They were trying to see how long a turbine would freewheel when they took the power off of it. Now taking the power off of that kind of a nuclear reactor is a difficult, dangerous thing to do because these reactors are very unstable in their lower stages And in order to get the reactor down to that kind of power where they could perform the test they were interested in performing, they had to override manually six separate computer driven alarm systems. One by one, the computers would come up and say, stop, dangerous, go no further. And one by one, rather than shutting off the experiment, they shut off the alarms and they kept going. And you know what happened nuclear fallout that was recorded all around the world from the largest industrial accident ever to occur since time began the instructions and the warnings were neglected you know what that's what a lot of people do with the warnings in the Word of God with the reproofs in the Word of God they override them they shut the alarm systems off and one of the things that we're fighting with and one of the reasons why I want to be faithful as a pastor in preaching this book is that the neat thing now in churches is don't ever give any of those warnings always say the positive things always tell people things that will make them feel good never warn them according to the word of god make sure that when they walk out of your church at the end of sunday service they walk out with the feel goods and the warm fuzzies the only problem is if i do that i'm overriding the system which god has placed in his book and all i'm doing is helping you head toward a disaster someplace in your life by the grace of god I want to be as positive as any man can be and i'm really a positive person i want to be positive and not negative but most of all i want to be faithful to what the book says and i'll tell you the truth friends if i come to something in the bible that's hard for me to preach i'm going to grit my teeth and preach it because i know i need it as much as you do the warnings of the bible the bible's profitable for that amen and then the bible's profitable for encouraging it says here that the Holy Scriptures are profitable for reproof and for correction. It means that sometimes we do get off the pathway. How many of you know that? You know what the Bible's good for? The Bible's good for getting you back on the path that you got off of. That's what the word correcting means. You know, the Bible doesn't give up on you when you fail, the Bible just keeps after you until you get back where you belong. And then the bible is also good for instruction in righteousness for enabling john greenleaf whittier put it this way he said we search the world for truth we call the good and true the beautiful from graven stone and written scroll and all old flower fields of the soul and weary seekers of the best we come back laden from our quest to find that all the sages said is in the book our mothers read isn't that true? All the truth the sages said are in this book our mothers read. A wonderful word of God. Reasons for being in the word of God. Now let me just take this back and put it in perspective for you. First of all, the Bible is good in saving us. Amen? And it enables us to do what we ought to do. When we get saved, we do what we ought to do. Then the Bible is good for teaching us. And in teaching us, the Bible helps us to know what we ought to do. We find out in the book. When we get saved, we're unable to do it. When we read the book, we find out what we're supposed to do. And then the Bible is good for correcting, exhorting us to refrain from doing what we ought not to do. You read in the Bible, it tells you don't do this, don't do that and then the Bible is good for restoring it encourages us to return to doing what we ought to do that we didn't do and that we got away from doing amen and then the Bible is good for training it expresses clearly to us what we should do from now on so here's the picture I have I'm walking down the road I don't even know God and all of a sudden somebody gives me a tract and I read the book and I get saved now all of a sudden I have a desire to do something different what should I do Well, I start reading this book. This is what I should do. And I start walking along doing what I'm supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, I do something I'm not supposed to do. And I find out that I did it by reading it in the book. I didn't do it on purpose, maybe, but I did it anyway. And I read in the book and I found out I shouldn't have done it. So now what do I do? Well, I just keep reading. And as I keep reading, the Bible tells me how to get back on the right path. And once I get back on the right path, it's the Word of God that then takes all this experience that I've had in doing the wrong thing and being confronted by the Word of God. Now it gives me instruction and righteousness so I can walk forward in my Christian life, hopefully not making that mistake again, but following in the renewed path of God's Holy Word. Amen. So every stage of my life before I'm saved, I need the Word of God as soon as I'm saved I need the Word of God when I get off the path I need the Word of God when I try to get back on the path I need the Word of God and once I'm back on the path. I need the Word of God even more Man, you got to have this book That's why for me to preach anything else, but the Word of God would be wasting your time and mine This is the book that can change your life Now Paul closes out this little passage by telling us that the Bible, if we follow it like we've been talking about, will have a certain result in our lives. And I'm going to have to cover this quickly, so you listen carefully. It says here that when we do all of this, verse 17, the man of God will be complete, thoroughly equipped, and equipped for every good work. First of all, when we let the Word of God be our goal and our guide, we become spiritually proficient. The word perfect here means complete it's a word that is used in classical writings to describe how the vertebrae or the joints exactly fit together in the body they perfectly join together and the Bible says that when we take God's word seriously and let it be a part of every stage of our life the result will be that there will be a completeness about us as God's people we will sense that there's nothing missing that while we are not perfect in the sense of sinless perfection everything we need we have and everything that's important god's doing that work in our life already we're becoming proficient in our walk with god there's a wonderful prayer in hebrews that's often used as a benediction that speaks to this it's hebrews thirteen twenty-one. listen to this prayer let it be our prayer today now may the god of peace who brought up our lord jesus from the dead that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you complete in every good work to do his will working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. That's my prayer, that God would take this book. And Paul says that when we take the book seriously, it makes us proficient, complete in what we do. Notice, secondly, he says that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped. We become not only spiritually proficient, we become spiritually prepared. The Bible equips us so that we know what to do this is a picture of a ship that's in the harbor taking on all of the provisions for the trip sometimes when we do our ministry cruises i get on the ship early and i go up on the top deck and i stand on the top deck and i look over and watch what's going on down below man it's amazing do you know how much food it takes to feed two thousand people for a week twice as much as it should (laughs) And they load all that food on that ship with forklifts and trucks and conveyor belts. It takes five or six hours to get all the old stuff off and get all the new stuff on. What Paul is saying when he talks about being fully equipped, he's saying, you are the ship. You have everything in your cargo that you need. You're ready for anything. Then there's one last one, and this is really neat. It says, when you have the Bible in your heart and you let it take over every stage of your life, You become not only spiritually proficient and spiritually prepared but you become spiritually productive notice equipped unto every good work you say I didn't think good works I thought no I didn't think good works were for Christians you know I've suspected that some of you thought that (laughs) good works are not to become a Christian but good works ought to be the very epitome of what a Christian is in this world. Amen? For by grace are you saved through faith and not, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But right next to it, it says, for you are God's creation created unto good works. is know that what it says? And just as First and Second Timothy is dominated by the term doctrine, what you know, the book of Titus is dominated by the term good works over and over and over again in that little tiny letter to Titus you find the importance of good works And I want to take you through it real quickly as we close today we become spiritually productive through the Word of God so that we can do every good work Titus 3 8 says this this is a faithful saying and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works these things are good and profitable to men what does that say those who are Christians ought to be careful to maintain good works now let me get this clear with you you don't need good works to become a Christian but if you are a Christian you will automatically be committed to good works good works don't belong in your life necessarily before salvation if you're trying to use that as a way to climb up to God but good works come as the result of what Christ has done in your life and the Bible says we're to be careful to maintain good works let me tell you something friends Christians ought to be good people I'm tired of folks saying to me I don't want to hire him he's a Christian I've had too many Christians working here I can't deal with now. sometimes it's because Christians bring condemnation to their company by their good works but far too often it's because they don't work as hard as the other people that's a shame The Bible says that if we're Christians, we ought to be committed to good works. We ought to maintain good works. And I want you to notice all of these passages in Titus that talk about it. First of all, in Titus, we are told that our good works demonstrate our walk. It says here about some people that they profess to know God, but in their works, they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Did you know that there are some people who walk around talking the faith, but don't know how to walk the faith? Boy, isn't it uncomfortable to be with people like that? You already know they're not walking the faith, but they're up there talking the faith like you wouldn't believe. But their works give them away. You see, our good works demonstrate our walk. Number two, our good works defeat our enemies. Notice chapter 2 in Titus, verses 7 and 8. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence and incorruptibility, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say about you. Why can't he say anything evil about you? It's like Daniel in the Old Testament. They tried to find something about Daniel that they could use to get him arrested. And the Bible says the only thing they could find about Daniel had to do with his walk with God. And the Word of God says, if God's Word is in you, it will make you a productive Christian, zealous for good works, and when you do your good works, you shut the mouths of people that want to criticize you. Oh, they may talk about your witness, they may talk about your love, but don't let them ever talk about your evil conduct, because your good works shut their mouths. Notice thirdly, good works display our faith. This is Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works we're not just to be committed to good works we're to be fanatics about it when somebody has a problem in our neighborhood we should be the first ones at the door you don't have to wait till somebody comes and asks you you're always looking for ways to demonstrate your faith you know why because that's why christ died he christ died To create in us people who were peculiar to him and zealous of good works and good works describe our citizenship chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities to obey to be ready for every good work to speak evil of no one to be peaceable gentle showing all humility to all men you know what Christians ought to be good citizens amen we ought to be good citizens subject to the rulers Unless we're being asked to do something that violates our covenant with God and finally our good works Determine our effectiveness verse 14 says let our people also learn to maintain good works To meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful If you don't do good works, you're unproductive And the bible says that when you have the word of God in your life It's going to make you proficient. You're going to be complete It's going to equip you so you're prepared And it's going to make you productive. What does it mean to be productive? It means doing something. You know what? Sometimes I think Christians sit around on their hands thinking, you know, if God ever tells me, I'm going to do something. My friend, God's already told you. Get up and do something. If you're not sure, do it anyway if it's good, and God will help you to get it perfect. How many of you know it's easier to steer a car after it's moving? (laughs) Amen? (laughs) Amen. some of you all i'm telling you my friend what has to happen are you waiting for a voice from heaven you already got it it's in the book somebody said well when i know i should be baptized pastor and i don't know i'm just waiting till i feel right about it you aren't ever going to feel right about getting in a pool of water in front of two thousand people (laughs) but if god said it do it amen now let me put all this good work stuff together and then we're out of here In the book of Matthew, in his sermon on the mount, Jesus put it this way. He said, let your light so shine before men, watch this, that they may see your good works and not come up and pat you on the back. That's what we often think. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father, what is the rest of it? Who's in heaven. When people see what we do as Christians because we're productive, because we've been in the Word of God and being nourished by the Word of God, and now we're producing good works, they ought to be saying, you know what? That's one of those Christians. There was an old Southern gentleman who was an atheist, and they were trying to get him to become a Christian. They tried every argument that they could find to teach him what a Christian was. They had all the apologetic arguments, they had every one of the Bible difficulties all answered and paradigmed, and he couldn't believe. But then his daughter who was a little girl went to a Sunday school and she got saved and she came home and she began to live like a little Christian in her house and one day that old stiff hardened crusty atheist said all the apologetics in the world could never bring me to believe what you've been trying to get me to believe but that simple girl that lives in my house that's been living for God and showing the qualities that I don't have in my life, she's convinced me there is a God, and I need to believe in Him. It's our good works. It's the life we live. My friend, if you're walking around spouting Jesus' stuff and your life is all messed up, just keep quiet till you bring your life into phase with your message. Because a word without reality does more damage than good now that doesn't mean you have to be perfect none of us if we had to be perfect before we could talk about Christ we'd all be quiet but you know what I'm talking about if you're living in a lifestyle that's dishonoring to the Lord don't be running around giving testimonies let your life get clean and right and then your life will bring honor and glory to the Lord I've had the responsibility as some of you know as the executor of my father's estate. But one of the things that's been great is that I found in my dad's stuff all of his old Bibles. Now my dad's been preaching the Bible since 1935. And I got his Bible that he preached from in 1935. And all the notes written in the margins. And my goal is to kind of go through them myself and then I want to give one of those Bibles to all four of my kids so they know that their spiritual heritage didn't start with me it goes way back but you know what i've discovered that my dad was writing notes in his bible that look like the notes i write in my bible now you say that's because you're in the family that's genes no it's the same response to god's word my dad was preaching messages in 1935 just like the messages i preach today Oh, there was a different cultural response, but it was the same book. And in 1935 and in 1945 and in 1955 and in 1965 and 75 and 85 and 95, and all the way up until the day before he died in August of year 2000, he was studying this book and teaching this book and preaching this book and trying the best he knew how to live this book, and he wasn't a perfect man by any means. But it was the Word of God that made him what he was that more than likely caused all of his children to be Christians, that raised up a college in Cedarville that are teaching the Word of God. It's the Word of God. My friend, this is the faith of our fathers. You know the old saying, don't you, that if all the Christians would blow the dust off of their Bibles, it would be the worst dust storm in history. <laughs> well, I'm teasing you a little bit about that. but. Uh, You know, some of you take this book to church and you walk out in your car after church and you flip it up in the back window and you never look at it again until you come the next Sunday. Let's make this book work. It's God's Word to us. And let's live in it. Amen? Amen. Well, if you um, need a little motivation to get back into the Scripture, you've come to the right place because this month we're going to talk about how powerful the Word of God is and what it can do in your life. Tomorrow here on Turning Point, from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to talk about gaining insight into God's Word. Uh, Just one of many messages during this whole month as we talk about the Word. And I have in my hands uh, the study guide for this series that has the outlines for all of these messages on the Word of God. There's uh, 12 of them. The power of God's Word in your life, gaining insight into God's Word, how to receive the Word of God, God carved His love in stone, what the Bible will do for you, the sword of the Spirit, what the Bible says about salvation, the Word's greatest text, Is there only one gospel, the book that will change your life, the written word, and the last invitation in the Bible? Those are the messages in the series. The study guide is yours uh, when you order it from our website, which is davidjeremiah.org. You can go there and find out how to do that. And then during the month, we have an incredible resource. Some months ago, we did a book on the 66 books of the Bible, which... It's a beautiful hardback gift book that tells you what's in the books of the Bible, why the Bible is the center of our curriculum. It's all we teach. And somebody asked me why. I said, well, frankly, I don't know how to teach anything else. I know how to do one thing. I know how to teach the Bible. And after all these years, I'm still trying to figure out how to do it better, how to learn more, how I can communicate it more accurately and more uh, visually and more powerfully, because I know what happens when the Word of God takes over in a person's life. Tomorrow, gaining insight into God's Word. Don't forget to order your copy of Living the 66 Books of the Bible when you send your gift to Turning Point during the month of June. Ask for it, and it'll be on its way to you before you know it. See you tomorrow.
0: Today's message came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Senior Pastor Dr. David Jeremiah. We'd love to know how Turning Point is encouraging you, so please write us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, Living the 66 Books of the Bible, and learn to better understand and apply God's Word each day. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Word, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah.
1: If you're ready to go deeper in your Bible study, Living the 66 Books of the Bible by Dr. David Jeremiah will help. You'll learn how to identify each book's purpose, theme, challenge, verse, and prayer. And it's yours with a donation of any amount to Turning Point this month. And if you give $60 or more, you'll also receive the first volume of this series and a Genesis through Revelation DVD. To learn more, visit davidjeremiah.ca.
0: Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations we can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca.
1: We sometimes might say of a gifted person, she was born for that. But the Bible has an additional take on what we are born for, and it comes from the mouth of, well, no surprise here, from the mouth of Job. In the midst of his troubles and woes, Job said, Man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. If that is a negative perspective, we can also say it's realistic. I mention it only as a reminder. We live in a fallen world where trouble is normal. The question is not how to escape trouble, but how to profit from it. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover why God allows trouble on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com. Route 66, start your journey home today.